gambler. The last squire dragged out his existence there, living the horrible life of an aristocratic pauper. But his only son, my stepfather, seeing that he must adapt himself to the new conditions, obtained an advance from a relative, which enabled him to take a medical degree, and went out to Calcutta, where he established a large practice. And does he practice now in England? Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. After the things that happened, that would be impossible. And just what did happen, madam? He has a terrible temper, Mr. Holmes, and that has been his undoing. While in India he beat his native butler to death and narrowly escaped a death sentence. As it was, he suffered a long term in prison and afterwards returned to England a morose and disappointed man. When Dr. Roylott was in India, he married my mother, Mrs. Stoner, the young widow of Major General Stoner. My sister Julia and I were twins, and we were only two years old at the time of my mother's remarriage. She had a considerable sum of money, and this she bequeathed to Dr. Roylott entirely while we resided with him, with the provision that a certain annual sum should be allowed to each of us in the event of our marriage. When did your mother die? Shortly after our return to England. She was killed eight years ago in a railway accident near Crewe. Dr. Roylott then abandoned his attempts to establish himself in practice in London and took us to live with him in the old ancestral home at Stoke Moran. The money which my mother had left was enough for all our wants, and there seemed to be no obstacle to our happiness. But obviously something happened to bring you to your present state. Pray continue. A terrible change came over our stepfather about this time. He shut himself up in his house and seldom came out save to indulge in ferocious quarrels with whoever might cross his path. A series of disgraceful brawls took place, two of which ended in the police court, until at last he became the terror of the village, and the folks would fly at his approach, for he is a man of immense strength and absolutely uncontrollable in his anger. Last week he hurled the local blacksmith over a parapet into a stream, and it was only by paying over all the money that I could gather together that I was able to avert another public exposure. He had no friends at all save the wandering gypsies, and he would give these vagabonds leave to encamp upon the few acres of bramble-covered land which represent the family estate, and would accept in return the hospitality of their tents, wandering away with them sometimes for weeks on end. He has a passion also for Indian animals, which are sent over to him by a correspondent, and he has at this moment a cheetah and a baboon which wander freely over his grounds and are feared by the villagers almost as much as their master. You can imagine from what I say that my poor sister Julia and I had no great pleasure in our lives. No servant would stay with us, and for a long time we did all the work of the house. She was but thirty at the time of her death, and yet her hair had already begun to whiten, even as mine has. Your sister is dead then? She died just two years ago, and it is of her death that I wish to speak to you. Julia became engaged to an army major, but was afraid to tell our stepfather about it. He learned of the engagement, however, and offered no objection to the marriage. But within a fortnight of the day which had been fixed for the wedding, the terrible event occurred which has deprived me of my only companion. Pray be precise as to the details. It is easy for me to be so, for every event of that dreadful time is seared into my memory. Only one wing of the manor house is now inhabited. The bedrooms in this wing are on the ground floor. Of these bedrooms, 
The first is Dr. Roylott's, the second my sister's, and the third my own. There is no communication between them, but they are all open into the same corridor. Do I make myself plain? Perfectly so. The windows of the three rooms open out upon the lawn. That fatal night, Dr. Roylott had gone to his room early, though we knew that he had not retired to rest, for my sister was troubled by the smell of the strong Indian cigars which it was his custom to smoke. She left her room, therefore, and came into mine, where we sat for some time, chatting about her approaching wedding. At eleven o'clock she rose to leave me, but she paused at the door and looked back. "'Tell me, Helen, have you ever heard anyone whistle in the dead of the night?' "'Never.' "'I suppose that you could not possibly whistle yourself in your sleep?' "'Certainly not. But why?' "'Because during the last few nights I have always about...